You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton, alongside my work wife, James Hardigan, and my work abusive stepdad, Matt Broughton. Hello. And today we are one big happy family for your ear holes in London, England. Worth specifying as the European Poker Awards are coming up, so we should make it clear this is a European production. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> and this is the first time I've actually seen you do that live. Like, apart from in the ears and eyes, I've never sat next to it's you. It's the first time we've all been on the scene together for Poker in the Ears. Coming up on today's show... We are going to give you all a quick update on what's happening in Macau. Just because we're not there doesn't mean we don't know what's going on. Well, I don't. But James wrote some stuff in the outline. <laughs> and we're going to cover that later on in the show. And we know you guys are boycotting the updates because we're not broadcasting. Thank you. We will reward you today with an update, sort of. Uh, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we still haven't quite wound, winded, wound down, wound. Wound, wound down from Panama. And we've got guest Kenny Smarin on the show today. Remember, he won that event. Yes. Main event champion. Uh, and now that he's won a major title, we're going to find out what his thoughts are and what's good for poker and bad for poker when we play good for poker, bad for poker. Oh, sweet. My favorite. Uh, what else happened recently? The stream boat happened just after Panama. You guys uh, you guys all know what the stream boat is or was? Or? Yeah, I mean, I believe the first I ever heard about it was on the show when Jamie Staples was our guest and revealed that he was doing the Rosvedov Panama stream boat trifecta yeah so i had a secret source a deep throat if you will who is on the boat so just to be clear you have a streamboat deep throat i have a streamboat deep throat that's correct i don't think i'll be able to say that more than once he was on the boat and he'll be sharing all the sordid detail all the hot guts wow. of the streamboat under the cover of anonymity wow. wow i love the fact that someone actually has requested anonymity which means they must really have some good shit there's some super hot goss coming at you <laughs> later in the show and today's super fan is Jonathan, jo Jonathan Gallagher, <laughs> who is challenging me on the subject of course fishing. Just to be clear, mm. I should have put a little sick in brackets. That's how he spells it. That's not me typing. So yeah, it's J-O-H-N-A-T-H-O-N. And he's a course fishing fan. What is What the fuck does course mean? Like, the only course... The time I use the word coarse spelled that way is like the hair on my body. It's very coarse chest hair. I don't know. I kind of picture these fish that were, rather than having scales, you kind of reel them out of the water and they're just like all kind of lumpy. Like, Ugh, this oh, is a coarse, coarse fish. I first thought but... it was coarse fishing, like somebody set us up like a racetrack <laughs> for all the fish. Wow, tell you what, this is an course. idea. Although you just put a net down surely and just go, yep, fish. I could be wrong. What, like kind of NASCAR fishing? Yeah, or like, you know, just you have to take your boat Speed along boats. a certain course and then oh. whoever catches the most fish before they complete the track. Not being funny, fishing on TV is very popular. We should really develop this concept and pitch it to Sky. Well, the thing is, <laughs> I I fished. I fished a bit when I was a kid with my dad. Wow. So I think I could do decent. I've never. Do, do decent. Why can't I do decent at English? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, man? Um, obviously, we use the hashtag poker in the ears for people to apply to be on Superfan versus Tapes, and we're still taking applications. They're still coming in. We've got some good ones lined up for the next few weeks. But do tweet with your specialist subject if you want to be on the show. And I should say, it's been a while since we acknowledged anyone who's tweeted feedback, who's sent any comments or questions. But please do, because I think we should get back to reading comments again 
soon. Yeah, I did get one. I, it wasn't it wasn't hashtagged. It was actually DM'd to me after a couple of episodes back. We were talking about that journey that I did from Rosvador to Panama, etc., etc., etc. And somebody called Jay Brew sent me a DM now, on Twitter. Now, how did Jay Brew DM you? Don't don't you have to follow someone? Yes. So you do follow Jay Brew. I follow him, but I can't remember why. And when I looked at his profile, I can't remember why. Interesting. Do you, you think, think maybe it was, by accident? <laughs> well, no, because maybe sometimes what happens is like someone will you'll follow them and then they'll change their profile. Maybe you follow them under a different name. Maybe. I, I'll be really honest. I didn't. I kind of looked at the picture and thought, I have no idea who this is, but I kind of trust myself that it must have been a good reason. Okay. And it served a purpose. But thanks for your question. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> he sent me a message and said, I just did a trip from hell myself. Two nights in Madrid. The first night, while stone cold sober, I tripped on a bloody awful pavement that looked like Prince Charles's teeth and face-planted hard. The second night, this made me really laugh, the second night was poisoned by some authentic northern Spanish cuisine in a bar. When I got up to leave, I sneezed and shat myself. Oh, my God. <laughs> the following morning, after a bad night, I woke, I woke up feeling rested, looked at the clock, and realised I had two minutes to get to the airport. Not the bestest trip ever. So, nice to know that it's not just us that go through the ringer when we're trying to buy water in Panama or get from 16 different countries to one location. I think that Matt um, must have followed that guy like in the future just to get that DM. Maybe so. Like, that Maybe. could be why you're like, I don't know why I followed him. Well... That's well, the thing is, reason. the fact that that was well crafted. He mu there must have been something that I've seen retweeted where I like the the cut of his jib and just followed him in the past. But it doesn't ring any bells me. But thanks, Jay Brew, whoever you are. Got it. We got some mileage out of that story. Uh, I just want to talk about a couple of tweets that uh, like two or three people have written uh, to me to say thanks for the suggestion to watch the OA, which is amazing when James is raving about it. Nobody says anything, and I'm like, you no. know, the OA is pretty good. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh, well, yeah, well, Stapes likes it. <laughs> I, I've had a lot of people message me, actually, over the last few weeks, to be fair. And I'm grateful that they did, because obviously they started talking about the actual plot. And so it's good that that's taking place on, like, a private channel rather than oh, right, out yeah. in public on the hashtag. Have you ever watched Ray Donovan? I loved the first two seasons. Didn't get around to seeing season three, even though I had no reason not season to. Season three was okay. It's got like Ian McShane and Katie Holmes in it, which oh, kind of yeah. like keeps your interest going. Yeah. Season four, I can't think of any word to describe other than shit. Remind me, without any spoilers, what's kind of happening? I think I've seen season four. So season four is the one where it's the aftermath of the whole mess with the Armenians. And there's no real major story. It's kind of the aftermath of that. And there's a Russian gallery involved. And there's a boxer. Oh, yes. And the priest oh, is still hanging around. Yeah. And halfway through, I was going to quit. And I put out one of my classic, okay, Twitter, should I continue with this? And it was literally 50-50. And the only thing that kept me going is someone, I think it might have been Andy Gibbons, said, I'm hearing good things about season five. So I thought, all right, I'll persevere through this lame-ass season to try and get to the next one. I'm kind of regretting it because I feel I wasted another seven hours of my life. It's really bad. Do you think that a show is somewhat entitled to have a droopy season if you've really enjoyed the... Can you give it, it one? It has to be Stella. And I'm sorry, Ray Donovan was never Stella. It was okay. watchable. It was good. But it was never great enough yeah. to have a lame season. I don't, mind, I don't mind films or series that end badly if I've had an awesome run. Like, I'm like, do you know what? The journey, like Lost, I don't really remember it well, but I remember loving watching that. Yeah. And when it ended, it was never going to end in a way that was satisfying. But I went, do you know what? 
I'm quite happy. I've had a lovely time. It just didn't end in a particularly satisfying way. But I don't think you can justify a whole season. It's like people going, oh, the next season of Walking Dead is going to blow your socks off. I'm like, I'm struggling to stay engaged with this talking, non-zombie, boring program anymore. I always say The Walking Dead is the best show on TV for watching people talk about what they should do about zombies. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, so I was planning to start Sneaky Pete based on your recommendation, yeah. Joe. Even I though the title, I'm sorry, just really puts me off. Why? What's wrong with that? I think it's a shit title. Well, why um, would that be a factor in your decision? I mean, that's a very small part of the consideration, surely. No, it, it is It isn't. It is okay. a factor. But I ended up, bizarrely, watching the first episode of The Crown last night on Netflix. I'm going to start watching that now. Uh, is that, no, wait, The Crown, answer me a question. Is that based on a true story or no it's completely well, it's, made up it's a historical drama but I imagine that there's a lot of fictionalization. but it's, but it's real it's, they're playing real people yes this is okay. the young Queen Elizabeth so this okay, is like late 40s it. early 50s um, I also am very excited about the fact that I had a Netflix email yesterday that Better Call Saul season 3 starts mm. in a couple of weeks which I still maintain is probably the best show on TV right now so I'm very very happy about that yes that's good I also have a film thing to tell you about I went to a BAFTA screening of Free Fire, okay, which, so which I, I saw, know you're interested yeah, in. Yeah, I saw... Well, I'm one of those people that's like so easily drawn in by marketing, and there's right. a gigantic poster for this movie in the tube, and yes. I was like, this looks fucking awesome. I do find it interesting, though, that the, tu the, the poster you're talking about yeah. screams out, from executive producer Martin Scorsese, but there is no mention of Ben Wheatley anywhere. No, that is true. It's one of those things where I got a BAFTA invite, and I must admit, apart from the poster, which I know exactly the one you're talking about, it's very 70s, very stylized. But yeah. It looks I, like a Shane Black movie. I knew nothing about it, but I was so attracted to the cast because I thought, Killian Murphy and Sholto Copley, and Br I thought, I like all these people. So I just went to it, and that's some of my best film experiences have been where I go, and all I know is the title and nothing else. Got some tickets, went along to it. It was actually at the Princess Anne Theatre, which is the, the, the private theatre in the BAFTA headquarters in Piccadilly. Get in there, and the thing I love about it is when it says it starts at half eight, you walk through the door at 8.27, and you sit in your seat, and at 8.30, bang, lights down. And the film, there's no trailers, there's no There's no commercial no for the thing for people whose gums bleed when they brush their teeth. Exactly. There's no hot dogs available in the foyer. There's just like, bang, film. So we go in. I go with the missus. We go and sit down. And we're there two minutes before, and we get comfy. Have you turned your phone off? You've got your seat, right? <clears throat> okay. And then we both are just suddenly hit with this smell, like, oh, like the worst B.O. I've ever experienced. And we look at each other in horror, and she goes, that's disgusting. And then the lights go down, and the film starts. <laughs> and we're like, oh, what, do, what, do, what do we do? And now we've got a whisper, what do we do? And she's... So, okay, so this is bad enough that it's affecting you, too, because, oh, yeah. like... I noticed that females are affected by smells way more strongly than I am. Like, I'll be walking down the street. My roommate will be like, ah! like, freak out over some <laughs> smell. I'll be like, uh, oh, yeah, there is a mildly unpleasant yeah. odor. I, I am not by. somebody that I can I cannot remember the last time I had a big problem with the smell. It was just like, oh, my God. And so I said, well, maybe it would just pass. But. It kept coming. It was getting stronger. In, waves? Oh, in, in, in solid, almost physically visible waves. You're making me want to hurl. Sorry. Maybe it was part of the movie because people <laughs> weren't as cleanly back then no, in the no, 70s. No, this was, this was a human. So Corinne looks at me and goes, should we move? And I'm looking around. I'm thinking there's nowhere to go. And I don't want to be the guy. You know, BAFTA's a bit sort of not strict, but it's You don't want to be a no. rude at and, a BAFTA. And so I say to her, like, have you, have you got like some sort of like... Uh, 
body spray or perfume or something. So she's going through a bag, rummaging around. I think any minute now we're going to get told off for fidgeting and dicking about. And she brings out, she's got this little tiny spray. And she's spraying it on like the sleeves of a cardigan, just sort of holding, <laughs> holding it over. And over. It was like Silence of the Lambs. You know, she's just kind of trying to drown it. And she passes it to me. And I'm sitting in a T-shirt and I'm thinking... I don't really. You can only know. do it on your neckline. I, that's I, it. No, you got to dip and your sort of, nose and. I spray it onto my yeah. kind of like the top of my t-shirt, and that's not doing anything. So I think I know. I, I got I got my beard. If I spray it on my beard, maybe that will go up my nostrils enough. And I'm desperate that no one sees me doing this because this is so stupid. It's bizarre. So I'm holding it, and I go for it, and totally pepper spray my face, <laughs> just all in my eyes. I'm like, Aah! and of course I'm trying to be as quiet as I can. I. I and I'm just freaking out. It, Corinne's laughing her ass off because she can see what I've just done. It takes about 10 minutes for me to be able to see again through the tears. And this time I do, and I just think, screw it. So I took a deep breath, closed my eyes, and I just absolutely doused myself in this perfume. And all of my fingers, you know when you spray like something so close on your fingers it turns to liquid? And I had to spend the whole thing with my hand over my mouth and my nostrils like, oh, good film, good film. Because this guy stunk. Luckily, the film, only an hour and a half, flew by. Awesome film, again, five out of five. It is good. Oh, okay. oh it's absolutely absolutely killer it's brilliant you'll love it to pieces i i have no doubt you're gonna absolutely oh, rave about it um and then one of the stipulations of BAFTA screenings comes up on the screen you have to stay through the whole credits as a mark of respect you know we're professionals in the industry i'm not you know you've got to watch it man those credits like the slowest thing we're still kind of gagging Get outside. It's like coming out of the Titanic, like, <gasps> fresh air. This movie, has, by the way, has to be like a 10 out of 5. If, if if you have something this unpleasant happening during it, yeah. and you still enjoy it and that much. And I still much. enjoy it that much. The last, to, to, to cap off the story, we, we headed out, we headed down the tube. We sat down. It was only at that point we realized we stank because now we're in normal territory. We just smell like a pair of hookers because we're just <laughs> absolutely covered. Especially me and this weird bloke whose beard stinks of like, you know, some perfume. And we could see people being hit by the wave. So we kind of ended up doing to the normal people on the tube what we'd been hit with. But... It was still a great film, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Go and see Free Fire, everybody. Do you remember helping me shop for cologne in Panama? <laughs> I was hanging out with this girl in Panama, and she was like, you know, you should really wear some cologne. I was like, do I stink? And she's like, no, I just really like cologne. So I dragged Matt to the drugstore, and we stood there for about 20 minutes spraying cologne into the air and sniffing it to see. <laughs> and just going, what about this one? I'm like, there's about 16 different perfumes in this. Room. There are people, like, gagging, trying to buy, like, a pack of cigarettes and some gum, and it's just like, you're going, Pfft. I mean, I couldn't take that for a whole movie, all that smell. It, even even the perfume smell, like, I, f I find it distracting. I, I I was really enjoying the film, and I just had to make a decision. I didn't want to leave, and it was... Did you ever identify where the smell came from? When the lights came up, we tried not to just spin our heads yeah. around like the police. Who there was, are you? The there, flies around his head. Yeah. There, was, there was a couple just slightly behind and to the side of us, and the, the guy stood up, and he was kind of in his 50s, and he had this really crumpled linen jacket thing on. Mm. And I thought maybe it's him, but I looked at his wife or his partner, and she just was smiling. Like, how could you live with that? Unless she's had her nostrils removed. Like an accident, yeah. Yeah, is you just, you know, or you'd think like a close friend would say, hey, buddy, you, you stink. But I think it was him, but I I, I don't want to go on He's record. the most likely suspect. I, I want to so. turn things to poker for a second. Why? Yes. Okay. If I can. I wanted to run this past you guys. So I'm supposed to fly out of here Sunday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's that awesome hippodrome 
tournament. Yeah, yes. I've got the details here, actually. Let's run through it quickly. This is the PokerStars Mega Stack. This is the first of the new kind of low buy-in events that yeah. are going to be running in certain countries and certain places. So the UK gets it first. The Hippodrome in London will be the first UK Mega Stack. £170 buy-in with a 50,000 starting stack. So it runs Friday to Saturday. There are three starting flights, two on the Friday, one on the Saturday, with one re-entry per flight. Uh, and obviously it culminates on the Sunday. Um, I unfortunately am going on holiday, and that's one of the reasons why there's no podcast next week, by the way. We're taking an Easter break because I'm going skiing. Um, <laughs> but Joe, you are in town, but only for half of it. Right, and so the final table is on Sunday, which is when my flight is. And the thing is, I kind of c- could use like a little mini score because I'm, I'm a little broke at the moment because of my stand-up show. Like, I got paid to do stand-up for mm. one of the first times ever. I got paid 100 bucks to do a 10-minute set. Nice. But then I, everybody came to the bar with me afterward, and I bought a round of shots for, like, 25 people. <laughs> and my bar tab was $220. So oh. n- my net profit okay. from the stand-up show was so 100, negative 120 A classic example of one of Joe Stapleton's minus EV life decisions. And I do feel <laughs> this will be the same, because... Generally, at these these Hippodrome events, so far you've yet to make a deep run. I guarantee you this will be the time when you make a deep run, yeah. make the final yeah. table, s- cash out for a decent score, which then is superseded by the amount you have to pay to get a different flight home to Los Angeles. Yeah, ah. like what? Do any do you have any clue like what change in your flight costs? On the airline I use? Well, it depends because some of the tickets are literally no change at all. Especially if they like got one of the bargain basement tickets. Oh, but I have miles. Okay. I just realized well, look, that. You've got you've got a little bit of time to, to investigate right. and work this out. Do you think that what so me and James are working on this weird thing that we'll probably be able to tell you guys about at a later date, but we're doing that Thursday and Friday. Do you think we'll be done early enough on Friday that I could play one of the Friday flights? And Definitely. Then- well the bear in mind the two flights on Friday, the first is at noon, the second is at eight PM. I bloody hope we'll be done at eight PM because I've got a pack. <laughs> okay. Well, that ensures will be done by 8 p.m. If James has something to do, there's oh, no way. Oh, hell yeah. There's no In way all we'll seriousness, I'm hoping we'll be done a bit earlier because I did say that I want to try and get down to the Hippodrome to at least hang out for a couple of hours, even though I can't play this event. Oh, so you do want you want to try to go over there anyway? Yeah, definitely. Maybe we can we can get late. I could late reg the noon one. That might be a little bit optimistic. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, whatever. I'm thinking about it. I really want to play it, though. Um, I just have to see how much it's going to cost to change my flight, apparently. (laughs) I don't want to do that. Okay, Poker News. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for Poker in the Is News. And we start with Macau. Uh, As we discussed over the last few weeks on the podcast, on the live stream from Panama, there is no PokerStars TV coverage of the PokerStars Championship main event in Macau. But there are live updates via the PokerStars blog, and it was via those live updates that I learned that Steve O'Dwyer, accompanied by a mango, won another (laughs) super high roller on our tour. Scary. He's a sick fuck. I don't know what to say. Um, I'd like to try to get him on the show, maybe. I think he'll do it. He's a pal. Maybe we could talk to him. Macau's still going on, though, right? Yes. So our next episode, as previously mentioned, taking a week off, back, I believe... Previously uh, mentioned, skiing. The 19th of April is when we're recording next. That should really be our Macau recap. So if we can get Steve or someone else who is in Macau onto the show, that would be a, a good slot to do. You know who we, else we've never had, including Steve, is Felipe Ramos. He's never been on the podcast, has he? No, he hasn't. And Felipe mm. did a concert 
in Macau as part of hashtag stars fun uh, <laughs> with a live band Philippe recorded sorry performed for all of the players and fans who are out there at the City of Dreams. I do feel, Matt, that you need to team up with Ramos. Oh, my God. We need Vamos Ramos, which <gasps> should be the name of this duet with Broughton on bass, Ramos on vocals, and I think it could get, be a... Get Liv on guitar. Did you guys watch any of it? I didn't I know it was there to be seen. I saw a brief clip on Twitter, but it was one of those things where it was so over-recorded, it was very hard to work out whether it was good or just noise. Very diplomatic, because I, I don't look and listen listen to Felipe Ramos and think this guy's probably a great singer. No, I'm I was surprised when I when I found out that he'd been at a rock concert. He should we should have got him to do at least one public domain song so we could have <laughs> had on the show. Like just hey quick baba black sheep for everybody. Everyone so, out there in the crowd. So as you mentioned, Joe, uh, Macau still running, main event still running. Looks like a field of around 535. They've just, uh, at the time we're recording, published the pie chart. And no real surprise to see that a third of the entries come from China. A third of the entries are local. Yeah. But people have travelled from a long way to play Macau. A lot of people wanted to go to this destination. Um, I uh, I would just got, got a press release say that there's this Chinese celebrity, like an actress, playing in Macau. And so I went and IMDb'd her. Do you guys want to hear the name of some of her movies? Are Please. they any movies that we would know? Or are they like literally... No, they're, ch they're Chinese movies. Yeah, but some Chinese movies get international release slash acclaim. Like Future X-Cops, where a cop travels back in time to take on a corporation that's out to eliminate a doctor who's created a new technology which can break up the monopoly on energy resources. Okay, that's not one of them. <laughs> What about I Corrupt All Cops? Hong Kong under British rule when corruption and bribery were the order of the day. Chinese Chief Constable Lack, together with his gang, Uncorn, Gale, and Gold, laundered drug money. I don't know, but I want to see that. Sounds pretty good. Where corruption and bribery were the order of the day. She was also in a movie called Marry a Perfect Man, The Best Plan is No Plan, Princess and Seven Kung Fu Masters. I also made <laughs> up a couple called Bringing in the Puppy, Time Traveling Police Squad 2. <laughs> So Macau continues, but what has concluded, although it took several hours, 15 of them in fact, was the 11th anniversary of the Sunday Million, which had a $10 million guarantee which was exceeded because there were 44,000 unique players and a total of 55,800 entries. Wow. So an $11.1 .1 million prize pool. So there was a re-entry in this one? Yes, I think you were allowed three re-entries wow. during the uh, re-entry period. Uh, top prize... In the 11th anniversary edition of the Sunday Million, just over $1 million for a $215 buy-in and connection with the most recent stop that we were at, a Panamanian player yeah. took it down. Zavi666 was the winner. After this marathon tournament and a final table that was streamed by uh, Nananoko, Randy Liu. Uh, and this guy, Randy Zavi666, becomes the 200th poker millionaire Courtesy of PokerStars. Wow. That's including everything, right? Like, yes. Okay. Because that doesn't happen that often in the Sunday no. Million that you win a million dollars. That's pretty fucking fantastic. Well done. Well, he's the first of 10 millionaires that PokerStars expects to make from now until June. When you consider that we've got Monte Carlo coming up and various other... Uh, the Scoop, obviously, and various other online promotions running between now and June. Sick. Millionaires galore. Uh, if you're a Stars Coin millionaire, you're allowed to donate them for something, right? Yeah, just a quick mention to this. It's a charity campaign that uh, PokerStars is currently running uh, across countries like Ethiopia and Somalia. There's 
tens of millions of people on the brink of starvation. They need food, they need water, they need humanitarian assistance. And basically, if you donate any of your Stars coin, uh, PokerStars will match all those donations, which will go to our charity partner, Care International. It's running for, I think, another three weeks. Just to put things into perspective, 2,000 Stars coin is equivalent to $20, and that is enough money to feed two people in Ethiopia for a month. Wow. Uh, so any donation you make on PokerStars using your Stars coin will be matched by PokerStars and will go to Care International. After we're done fixing the problem in East Africa, can we then maybe turn our sights to East London because there <laughs> are in desperate need of some, some razors over there, yeah. some clothing without epaulets on them. I and, mean... And to, to put it into perspective, £20 will buy a pair of corduroy trousers. That's right. And they're very hardy, very well insulated. Now, I think while we're talking about razors, we have to give a quick shout out to producer of Ben, who yesterday managed to remove his right eyebrow. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, I mean, don't you know you gotta test it on a small area first? <laughs> I mean, first of all, the fact I mean, you're that you're married, man... test it on your junk. No one will ever see that. First of all, the man possesses a pair of eyebrow clippers. Secondly, he was using them. Thirdly, he used them incorrectly. I mean, that's the perfect trilogy. You know when you trim them, they grow back twice as thick, twice as fast, buddy. You're just gonna be doing it the rest of your life. But I bet all the kids think he's totally sick and they're like, man, look at him. Yeah, he's got the old razor game. All the street cred. Um, so we've reached a point in the show, Joe, which I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little bit excited about. Because you promised, you teased that you had the inside line, the hot goss, the dirt on Streamboat 2017. Yeah, well, as you guys know, I really wanted to be on Streamboat so super much. bad. And the next best thing happened where I had a man inside, a man right. on the boat, a man on the scene. A Streamboat was this thing that Bill Perkins put together where it's going to be like 24 hours a day of streaming of Bill Perkins, Jeff Gross, Jamie Staples, and Matt Staples, uh, who apparently is the thing because he's Jamie <laughs> Staples' brother. Um, so anyway, I really want to be a part of this. Couldn't get on board, but a very close friend and confidant of mine did get on board. Who we can't name. We're obviously. not naming him. No. We're just going to no, call no, no. him Streamboat Deep Throat. Welcome to the show, Streamboat Deep Throat. I'd prefer if you called me, I'm a kitty cat, meow meow 15. Okay, um, I'm a kitty cat, meow meow 15. What is the hot goss from Streamboat? It was wild. Bill Perkins eats so many Quest bars. What is a Quest bar? Protein bar. Yeah, they're protein bars. Right. Like four or five a day. Okay, okay. All right, I guess we're going to start off slow on the hot goss. What, what else can you tell us? He only drinks uh, low-calorie almond milk. All right, any, anything juicier than that? Bill Perkins' girlfriend, absolute babezilla. Okay, all right, now we're okay, talking. Here we go, here yeah, we go. What, what do you got on her? Bill and his girlfriend, they like to make out a lot. That's something, was there, was there like a lot of partying yeah. on the Tell boat? Yeah, us about the partying. There was tons of drinking on the boat. Okay, tell yes. us more. I think we went through about 27 cases of Pamplemousse Lacroix. That's like a champagne? No, bro, it, it's seltzer water. Oh. Um, what about the other guys on the boat? Were they wild? Didn't interact with Jeff Gross much, but I got in trouble once for cursing in the background of his stream. Positive vibes only, man. Positive vibes here on Flow Show. <laughs> okay, what about Jamie Staples? Jamie Staples wears way too much sunscreen. Oh, okay. Hot goss. Uh, was anything that happened, like, particularly baller? Um, one day we needed an HDMI cable, so one of Bill's assistants flew to Puerto Rico to get it. And actually, that's, well, that's pretty baller. Yeah, that is pretty baller. I love the fact that a kind of IT emergency is the best 
story we're getting out of this. <laughs> no, this has been super hot, guys. Well, I'll tell you my three top pieces of hot confessions from this trip. Finally. Okay, here, okay, we okay, here we go. Here we go. Top three. Next time, start with that. Yeah. <laughs> Hit us. I was there to produce uh, videos and ended up putting together uh, gym equipment in Bill's house. <laughs> okay. Um, I lied about being on the streamer's Wi-Fi on multiple occasions. <laughs> <laughs> like, they were, like, having problems with their stream, and I was like, nope, definitely not on your Wi-Fi. <laughs> okay, not exactly hot gospel, but entertaining. And the Ritz in St. Thomas, great place to take a dump. Five stars. <laughs> okay. Kitty cat, meow, meow, 15. Uh, we appreciate it. This has been a huge disaster. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for nothing. Poker in the ears. So we have one piece of unfinished business from last week. Last week being our Panama recap. Uh, we filled that podcast with plenty of stories of overprivileged people having problems on planes and at airports and our uh, general perceptions of Panama, the place. We didn't talk in detail about the tournament. That's because we were waiting for this week's guest. He couldn't join us last week. I'm pleased to say he can join us this week. It is the champion of the first ever Panamanian PokerStars Championship main event, Kenny Smarin. Welcome, Kenny. Thank you. How are you doing? We're good, Kenny. Thanks for coming on the show. I, I guess really the first question that I wanted to ask you is that... In the moment when you became the second ever PokerStars Championship champion, I got to figure out a better way to say that. Winner. Winner. Um, you seemed happy, but also distracted. And was that because of the people on your rail? Or were you just like overwhelmed in the moment? Like what now that you've got some distance, what was going on? No, it really wasn't too much of any of that. Um I I won a, a Poker Stars high roller before, so I've been there before. I wasn't overwhelmed at all. I just, I, I guess there was this. I, I mean, I wouldn't say the rail had me overwhelmed. It was just I just wanted the to get the tournament over with. And once I won, I started thinking about the after party. And I don't know. <laughs> Panama, Panama, Panama City is a fun place, and my rail was pretty rowdy and saying some real crazy shit. Uh, excuse me. I guess it's okay to curse. On you here. can curse, oh, yes. But I was about to say right. you can curse. But we sometimes do have to chop things out, like if they're really out there. No, no, no I'm not. No, I'm, I'm not going to be. be no, well, I was going like to say, that, what yeah. can you tell us about the after party that you're that you're comfortable with the world hearing? Ah, that that that's got that's got to stay in house. <laughs> that's got to stay in house. But uh, I mean, Panama City's a fun place. I don't know. I mean, I've been there plenty of times. I I, I played LAPTs there before, and it's a short flight for me from Costa Rica. And the the owner of the hotel has some tours but most of the time i don't even go out there for poker i i just i play a couple of tournaments but that's not my real focus it's just a fun place to go out and do a lot of shit um <laughs> uh my buddy my buddy had a bachelor party there too but uh yeah the, this time i mean poker paid off so we'll take it but i, I wasn't overwhelmed i don't know i'm, I'm just kind of low-key and i don't i don't really like celebrate a lot, i notice a lot of times like i mean everybody's their own person has their own different ways of handling things but like i see when poker players when big all ins they get up and they yell i don't know i kind of just stay in the moment and just let it play out you see the irony is i wasn't down on the floor so i didn't really notice kenny's reaction to the winning moment but i did notice the reaction of that huge dude on your rail who was making as much noise in the bar afterwards as he was watching the final table who is that guy <laughs> actually all right that's a guy named josh who lives in another town in costa rica i actually 
met him, I think, one time in my life <laughs> prior to that. Um, he, he's he's friends with a, a couple guys that I'm actually I'm closer with and and better friends with, but uh, he he's a character for sure. He's actually quite funny if you actually get to know. I mean, other than, I mean, he was probably drunk and maybe a little obnoxious there, but uh if you if you get to like know him i got to know him out there like we were watching some of the ncaa tournament games and stuff he he's 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 very funny and he's got like a dry sense of humor and uh just joking around breaking all the guys balls and stuff like guys that he's friends with that he knows uh, i mean but yeah he was he was a little bit over the top there but it must have felt good to have everybody be so happy for you whether you were close friends with them or not yeah that i mean i I'm generally a nice person. A lot of people don't know me because I keep a low profile. Yes. Let's talk about that for a second, Kenny, actually, because I don't know if you listen to the broadcast or all, if anyone told you, I actually said, and I'm still kind of embarrassed to admit it now, I'm embarrassed that I didn't really know you um, because the way that you talked on stream and at the table, it's clear you had been around. It's clear that you play big tournaments and you've been on the scene. And uh, well, Kenny mentioned his victory in Prague a couple of years ago. You've had some big results as well, but you've just not really been on our radar. Yeah, well, I haven't played a lot of Poker Stars tournaments mainly. I, 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 I that was the when I went to Prague. That was the in 2015. That was the first EPT I played probably since 2010 or 2011. Okay, that makes sense because that was before my time. And then uh, I haven't played one since out there. Well, now the EPT don't exist anymore. But uh, I, I'm not really into the like. I do play live tournaments, but I've always said like for uh, a lot of, a lot of years, like I can't get into the, like the travel scene. Like I, I I've had great results online, and I've always been like a good networker. So I always have my hands and things outside of poker, but. To travel, like, jet-setting all the way and, and basically the, the poker live tour dictating your life, I mean, it, it's just it's just too much for me. I like my own personal life. I like my thing. I like to work around my own schedule. Even with even with the online tournaments, I never played, like, the full tourney schedule too frequently. I, I, play, I was mainly like a high-stakes sit-and-go grinder, which is when you can just set, set your own schedule and do your own thing. And it made my life a lot happier, and I, I, don't, I don't know how these poker guys do it. But I mean, like I said, everybody has their own life. Everybody has their own agenda and to each their own. But uh, I guess I should, I should be playing more live tournaments though. That's for sure. Well, yeah, now that you've binked one. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the story, Kenny? Um, you mentioned you live in, in Costa Rica across the border from Panama. Was that a post black Friday relocation situation? Yes. Yeah. I, I moved, I moved there I was probably one of the first players to move, especially to Costa Rica. I mean, well, not maybe movement in general. I moved in July after the World Series that year, after Black Friday. Pretty quick. Um, yeah, it, it, but like nobody was really in Costa Rica yet. But the issue for me was I was in a, a relationship back home at the time. And I was trying to get her to quit her job. And I mean, because I was able to, to, to take care of both of us, but uh, she didn't want to go. And I was like, well, I wasn't like it was. It was. It was reaching the stages of like serious. You know, I, I was with her for about, I guess, a little over a year, and I was starting to think like, and I'm a little older. I'm 32 now, so back then, even still, I was 26, 27, and I was starting to think like, oh, am I going to settle down with this girl or whatnot? And then, I I wasn't giving up my job though because I was clearly very successful, and that's what I needed to do. 
and she didn't want to do it and i was trying to make it work traveling back and forth and then that fell apart and here we are now <laughs> i'm all of a sudden invested in that story what happened to her are you guys still well, friends that, yeah i mean there's no bad blood or anything but uh i i actually did i actually did get engaged and and then i was like what am i doing i can't do this with 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 to travel back and forth and then like i was spending a lot of time in costa rica and i was seeing everything there and i was like this is this is not good this will never work so <laughs> i i felt really bad and like i i probably broke her heart but i mean it's better to be honest than than, than do something worse so yeah definitely uh, you don't want to you know get married and then have it not work then this is one of those of ironic situations where you are so good at relationship advice but you're so bad at actual relationships that's a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> uh, so, do you miss the United States of America? Like, do you miss living in Pennsylvania? Like, Joe Joe McKeon still lives in North Wales, PA, after becoming uh, World Series of Poker main event champ. Uh, if you had the option to go back to Pennsylvania, would you? Uh, I highly doubt it. Well, me and Joe are different personalities. I mean, he's he like for example, he's one of them guys that I think truly loves. Like not to say I don't love poker. I enjoy it thoroughly. I've done it for years. But like I, th I think it's more so like it, it's his life, and like he loves to go to all the tournaments. I mean, he's at all the tournament stops, and I don't really know Joe too well. I heard he's a nice guy. I mean, we met a couple times, but we're you not. You just like, have the same accent, so it's easy to assume you know each other. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. He, he he's from he's from like the the suburbs. Like I, I actually grew up in in the actual city of Philadelphia, and uh, like. Like I, my my house is ten minutes from like downtown Center City, Philadelphia, where all the big offices and buildings are. I, I live twenty minutes, fifteen twenty minutes from the stadiums, but uh, yeah, it's it's a different world where I grew up and he grew up. Totally different. Where he a lot of rich people where he lives, but um, uh, I, I I miss my family, I miss my friends, but at the same time, part of growing up is you know your friends get married, they have families of their own, and you just don't see each other as much, so. Every everything starts to change, and I, I'm 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 kind of tired of, of the city. And now that I've been able to travel and see other cities, even in the USA, but on top of that, uh, other countries, I don't know if if for now I'm, I'm perfectly happy outside of the U.S. And I'll travel back to see my family. I still go home maybe like two three months for like a week, see my mom, my sister, and maybe if if I ever settled down and had a family of my own. I guess the USA would probably be the best as far as for my kids growing up and opportunities. But maybe I would go to like South Florida or, I mean, I guess that would be my ideal spot. I don't think I would live in the city of Philadelphia though, no. And I love my sports teams, of course, but yeah, I don't think I would live there. We got to, there's something I got to clear up with you, Kenny. Yeah. Now I'm interested whether your theory is correct, Joe. Yeah. And if it isn't, Kenny's going to have no fucking clue what you're talking about right now. So, I don't know how much backstory I should give him, but basically... Just ask the question. Are you the Kenny? Are you the Kenny that Bryn Kenny is referring to during the PCA super high roller that he wins? He's in yeah. all these all-in situations, and he's like, well, I gotta do what Kenny says. What does Kenny think's gonna happen? I'm like, you're Kenny! Yeah, that's me. That's it's you! It is Kenny! Yeah, yeah. If you, look, if you look on the broadcast, they sometimes they put the camera on me when I'm, when I'm in the... In the, in the stand behind him. Bryn's, Bryn's actually, like, one of my oldest. Me and Bryn became friends in, in 2008. And uh, he's, he's, he's by far one of my closest friends in poker. I, don't, I mean, I don't even consider him a poker friend. I consider him a real friend. 
and uh, he's a really good guy. But uh, yeah, he was he was in my winner's photo and everything. But yeah, Bryn, Bryn's the guy that tells me I'm I'm the biggest waste of talent in poker because <laughs> I never traveled to all the all all the all the live stops and he thinks I should be playing a lot of the high rollers and stuff, but dude, the story checks out. I mean, you put on a pretty good show at that final table and the day before also. Yeah. Let's actually talk about the main event itself. And where I wanted to start, Kenny was really with the penultimate day. It was at the final table, uh, but you weren't quite six handed yet. And it was the bluff you ran against Dennis Timofeyev, where he made that big call on the river, having paired his Jack. Um, obviously a great move from you, but an amazing call from Dennis. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I always say, like, I, I mean, a lot of poker players, their reactions to things when they lose, I will never knock somebody for making a, a, a call for their tournament life. You call because you think you're ahead, not because you think you're behind. So if you make it, good for you. I mean, and that's particular spot. I mean, it, I don't have a lot of history playing with him, but, I mean, I know he, uh, I mean, I know he's pretty aggressive. He likes to play hands and whatnot, but at that point, I truly believed he was value betting a jack on the river, but I, I was a good spot for me to merge. I had to turn my hand into a bluff, and it's really hard for him to call. But at the same time, honestly, playing versus someone like him and the way that I my reads on him, if I had two pair there, say like nine eight on that board, I would have shoved that river because I truly believe he would have been like if he had flush draws when the flush got there in the river, he would have barreled that all three streets where he shut down the turn. Yeah, he checked the turn to me, and I checked back. So, I mean, a lot of times he's going to find – like, I, I'm very capable of, of value-shoving hands that aren't, like, completely nutted on that board. But, uh, I mean, hey, he made the call. It was good for him. I mean, I, I, I'm very successful with my Merge River bluffs, so, like, historically. So, I mean, I, I was a little surprised when he called. But, I, I mean, hey, he made it. And even if I lost the hand, like, I was still in a good spot. I was coming back to, like, 60 big blinds and playing short-handed, so – I wasn't too worried about it. I was surprised at the call, but also I was really impressed with your reaction. Like, you just didn't really seem to tilt at all. You told the guy nice hand. Like, I'd have been like, you fucking fish. How do you make that call? You're so bad. You're the worst. What are you doing? How'd you even get here? I, I was thinking in my head, like, this guy's out of his mind anyway, because I was clear. I was clearly the aggressor at the table. And, and like, I, I'm, I'm never folding in position at that point. I'm, I have a, a very comfortable chip lead. A very healthy stack, and he's three betting me out of out of position with Jack Seven. I'm like, this guy's out of his mind. Like after the hit, I'm thinking like, but I was like, it's fine. Like I didn't care. I was I was I knew the next day I would be fine. And I, I'm like I'm a shorthanded player. Like through experience, I played I like six max sit and goes online and, and whatnot. I played some six max cash, and uh, I just didn't think really anybody would be able to play with me as long as my stack didn't get too shallow and i actually got off to a really bad start on on the final table but i recovered quickly and then after that I, it was it, once i chipped up it was smooth sailing for me well let's talk about shorthanded play then because there comes a point it seems to us in every final table where to say play stalls is probably the wrong phrase but where there's an elongated period with a certain number of players and at this final table it's when you were three-handed it seemed that three-handed play went on for a considerable amount of time um how did you find the dynamic there with the three players including yourself still in at that point well i mean when we got three-handed i had a, a, a pretty well, i think i wasn't like a huge chip lead but i think dennis D dennis might have had double uh harpeet and, but I I still had I might have had like double Dennis, 
or, or a little more than double Dennis. And so I was pretty much still in control and I, I was opening a lot of pots and Dennis at that point clearly knew he had to stay out of my way because I mean, with, with the pay jumps and everything like that, it's just foolish. And then he's out of position versus me in most pots as well. But at one point I got them basically relatively even in stacks. And I think they were both under like slightly under 20 big blinds. And then, I mean, basically why it lasted so long is just people just kept doubling up and yeah. in pretty pretty much standard all-in spots, I mean, in my opinion. And I, I, then at one point, I think I was the shortest stack of the three. But For a minute, and yeah. I, and then, I, and then it, it was fitting that it comes to like a big flip, a standard flip that you can't avoid with, with me and Dennis. Three-handed play went on for a while, and then we got heads up, and I think at that point we went on like a hour-long dinner break. We come back, and then it's over in nine hands. Now, I know heads up can end at any point, but it's not like you had an eight-to-one chip lead over this guy, but literally it was just like bish, bash, bosh, whittle him down. He's tilted it off. Job done. Yeah, well, I think I think he knew, like, I mean, during the actual day, he was to my direct right. For when we still had a, a, a full final table or a five-handed, four-handed for a while. And I, I was obviously clearly the most active player. I was opening a lot. And I I generally, I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I truly thought he was the weakest player at the table. And I, uh, in general, when I do that, I, I almost always open their big blinds. And so I basically opened, like, every one of his big blinds. And he was, and a lot of times I actually made hands and had hands in this particular case. And he was... Like just like muttering under his breath, and he's like, "I hate playing hands at you. You fucking open every hand." Like <laughs> you could you could tell he was extremely frustrated with me, and he wasn't winning any. And so I I think he knew. It's funny when we were leaving too for the dinner break, they were walking like maybe like five ten feet in front of me, and his friends or his rail were saying like, "You got to be outside the box here. You have to play crazy versus this guy." Like and I and I know like in general he had to do something like. He had to play out of his like out of his comfort zone and do unorthodox things to generally like. I mean, anything can happen. A heads up cores happen, you know. Sometimes pe- both people flop two pair, or somebody flops two pair, and a pair in a flush draw where there's just, the hands are just too strong, and the money goes in. But in general, like he he's not in a good spot versus me heads up. So he had to do unorthodox things, and I mean, in that case, he kind of did in the last hand and. Yeah, because just didn't work out. were you just uh, uh, not surprised then at the way the last hand went down? Because we were pretty surprised because we could only see one card, right? That's right. And I guess we figured he was a lot stronger. We saw the eight and we thought it was either a pair of eights or ace eight. And then it, he shows ten eight off. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's I, I, I didn't expect to see that. But I mean, at the same time, I, I mean, he was, I, I know, like, obviously you can get updates through the thing. Like one time I opened. And the, earlier in, in the, I, th- I think we were three, I, we might have been three handed at the time. And I opened and Dennis called and he shoved like jack five off or something. And like for like 20 something big blinds or something. I, it, it was, I it, remember like, that. Yeah. Up, and, and when I seen that hand, like, I think I seen it on the dinner break and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And, and I was like, so I figured he's already doing crazy shit. And then he did another hand. I don't remember exactly what it was, but there was another hand that he did something like way out of line, and I was like, so when he did something like that on the on when we got heads up, I was like, I I actually thought there's a good chance I could be ahead, but at the same time, I wasn't really, I I for me to be dominated there is highly unlikely, but it's possible. But I mean, 
I just I thought I, I truly called because I thought I was ahead. I wasn't. I, I mean, there's a chance I could have been flipping versus a small pair or something. But and to be honest, it, it's. I think it's a fine call, and like most people that I talked to about the answer, they would have called. Yeah, of course. But but in general, like it, it's not a, it's really not a situation I need to put myself in versus him because I could just grind him to the ground and then just put it away. But we, we were quite grateful for you to get the job done, yeah, so we could all just go to the bar. At to that be point, too, and you know, look, and no offense to him either, but you know, I do think that the better player won in that case, and that's generally what we like to see as well. Kenny, now that you're a mate, you've won a major title, right? You're the second ever Poker Stars Championship winner. People are gonna start asking you what's good for poker and what's bad for poker. So I want to play a little game with you before we cut you loose. It's just called Good for Poker, Bad for Poker. I'm going to read you a topic. You just tell me, in your opinion, as a champion, right. is this thing good for poker or bad for poker? Ready? Sure, far away. Okay, Bill Perkins in the streamboat. Good for poker or bad for poker? Good for poker. Good for poker, correct. April Fool's Day. Good for poker, bad for poker? Good for poker. April Fool's Day is good, good for anybody. You need it. No, sorry. No, April Fool's Day is bad for poker and everybody. Question three. Dan Danielle Bragoli, the cash mouse side girl. Good for poker, bad for poker? <laughs> good for poker. Good if for poker. If she's old enough. <laughs> That's good. He's, 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 he's following the rules. I like that. Uh, now, you may not be uh, up on this one. This is classic Joe Stapleton. But uh, you're going to need you to take a guess. The case right now of Cadbury versus the Church of England. Good for poker or bad for poker? Bad for poker. Bad for poker. Bad. Also bad for everyone. Kate Hall versus Mike Dentali. Good for poker or bad for poker? Good for poker. Good for poker. He's getting. He's only missed one so far. Cubism. You know that, that period of art from like, I don't know when it was or anything about it. Good for poker or bad for poker? I don't know anything about it. Bad for poker. Bad for poker. You know what? I'm going to give it to him. He's a champion. I'm going to I'm gonna give him that one. Matt Savage's new No Cell Phones Allowed tournament. Good for poker. Bad for poker. Uh, that's how, That has shades of gray to it. I have to give one or the other? Yep. You got to give one or the other. By the way, it's just a game. Nobody's going to hold you to this. Don't I, worry. I, I, bad for poker. Bad for poker. That's correct. We're sick of you, Matt Savage. We're sick of you and your innovations. GTFO. Uh, just two more left. <laughs> the Nobody Out Pizzas the Hut ad campaign. Good for poker, bad for poker. Uh, bad for poker. Bad for poker, that's right. Bad Too for everything. Bad, still also bad for... And finally, the concept of reincarnation. Good for poker, bad for poker. Good for poker. Good for poker, oh my god! He went eight for nine, everybody. Get a big round of applause for our second ever Poker Stars Championship champion. That's how I'm going to say it from now on. Kenny Smarin. All right, we'll take it. Thanks, Kenny, man. Good interview. We appreciate it. And uh, we hope to see you on the tour a little more often because uh, I, like, I like the cut of your jib. All right, buddy. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Superfan versus Stakes. So now's the time where we aim to give away a $27 satellite ticket and an Everyone Loves a Chop Pot hoodie to one of our loyal listeners, to a PokeStars TV fan. We welcome... From the United Kingdom, Mr. John Athon Gallagher. Uh, Jonathan, I don't want to tease you about the spelling of your name, but everyone in this building whose name is Jonathan is really offended at the way you spell it. That's, that's quite ironic because I'm very offended at their spelling of it. However, the real, the real story behind it is, is that my mum taught me how to spell it this way. And then when I got to 18 and I applied for a passport, 
I realised on my birth certificate that actually she'd been spelling it wrong all these years. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so I'm now in a position where my name is spelled the proper way on my driving licence and passport. So I, every time I book a flight ticket, I have to make sure that I spell my name incorrectly correctly. <laughs> Oh, so man. what is it? Because so just to be clear, this yeah. is Jonathan with an H, yeah, and with an O instead of an A at the end. Yeah. So how many differences are on your real legal name? Is it just the H dropped, or do we have an an A at the end? It te- it tends to be just the o. the O at the end is a little bit out of place, really. The O you can either keep the H or drop the H, but the O at the end is sacrilege, really. <laughs> my mother's fault. Look, my parents have spelled my name wrong on birthday cards before. They didn't teach me to spell wrong, but I got a couple birthday cards that were J O E S P H. Guys, can I can I just say that it's, it's a bit harsh that I'm I've just suddenly come online and I'm the the butt of the jokes. Can we turn it round on somebody else for a second? <laughs> Don't worry, it'll get, it'll get to me very shortly. As soon as the questions about fishing start. Before we get to that, uh, we 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 covered your mommy, but wh- who's your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> well, actually, it's funny you should ask, Joe, because I'm actually a talent scout for feature films. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. I'm, this I'm, feels I'm not, like a setup. I'm, I'm, I'm just messing with you, Joe. <laughs> <I don't, yeah. laughs> no, seriously, and you probably won't believe it, I work in counterterrorism. Wow. That's one of my favorite games. So he gets to, uh, I mean, you basically get to write whatever you want on your passport documents because uh, it'll just be your buddies coming to arrest you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds a lot sexier than it is, trust me. What, uh, what, can you tell us anything at all about what your specific job is? The only thing I'm really allowed to say is really that we try and prevent things happening before they kick off, which <laughs> I suppose all counterterrorism is that. But I mean, I'm really early, trying to catch people really, really early. That you're- sounds like Joe's bosses. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're, you're not you're not doing this from work right now, are you? I kind of feel like maybe. <laughs> We should move the game along then. This is one of those examples of where we're doing a live stream and we say, if you have a job that makes a major difference to society, where human lives are at stake, tune out. Please stop watching. Please, please focus on your job. And I kind of feel you're in that category. I actually took, I took half a day's leave to be able to do this, guys. So oh, please don't worry man. about it. It's cool. Well, I sure hope nothing happens today of all days. <laughs> Joke, before, before um, Matt starts ripping into you about the game and about your uselessness on the subject, uh-huh. can I just raise a, a very small story that I have about you? Please, why not? If it's about me, we'll make the time. <laughs> so, Joe and I actually met in London in 2014, three years ago. Um, and I always thought at the time that his Tinder stories were a bit nonsense, to be honest. Like made-up nonsense? My brother and I happened to be in Brick Lane having a curry, and in walks Joe with a, a very attractive female, presumably one of his Tinder dates. So, so not wanting to kind of pester him too much, um, I kind of I asked very gently, would he mind having a quick photograph? Uh, I didn't want to trouble him, and he was absolutely more than happy to do it. He's such a great guy. Uh, took took a few minutes, had a chat. So I bought the guy a beer. Uh, and just as we're having finishing off the conversation, I turn around and I see this really attractive blonde girl looking at him. And I said, Joe, would your friend like a drink, do you think? He turned around to her, looked for two or three seconds and said, nah, she's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure that this story is fairly accurate, except I probably was more like this. Oh, you want a photo with me? Oh, you, you recognize me from from TV? Yeah. Is that, did, he, uh... did he like take the camera from you and just like, I'll be back in 10 minutes. Let me just head outside. <laughs> Filled up the whole of the memory on the phone with just selfies and 
I'm surprised I didn't ask her to take it. Like, I would have been very excited for her to overhear this conversation. And and how much did he pay you? Was it like Alan Partridge, where Joe had just said, like, could you just come up to me and ask for my my photo, like, at a really cool moment? (laughs) Oh, God, this is so embarrassing. It happens all the time. Well, Jonathan, I'm glad that you had a a pleasant experience with me. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it was great. I'm sure she did not. (laughs) Right. Anyway, let's start making those pleasant experiences go away as we head into <laughs> a special superman versus states on a very interesting subject remind us again jonathan what the subject is it's fishing and any any specific type of fishing yes and and well done matt for even asking this question beforehand it's coarse fishing of, of course it is <laughs> right Yay! yeah now obviously there's only so far that google and wikipedia go i did enlist the help of a chap called chris who's an acquaintance of mine he's not a very good friend of mine because he's into fishing <laughs> but i do know him so uh okay well good luck uh, players we're going to start as always with jonathan in most of these cases it's multiple choice you either nail the question for two points or you can go for the multiple choice for one point jonathan you are up your first question what is the historic nickname for a tench is it red eye it is not joe you can steal this you can either go for a, a clean steal for two or you can take the multiple choice for one i'm gonna hear some of matt's funny multiple choice answers okay the historic nickname for tench is it captain finn dr fish mr swim lady smell <laughs> How are any of those genuine options? Dr. Fish is correct for one point. Jonathan, does that mean anything to you? It does, but there are other names. I don't want to be... Yeah, it does. That's fine. Just don't... Just I love you already for not arguing with me because I don't have the knowledge to back (laughs) it up. What we're going to do from now on is we're just going to say that all of the answers are subjective and if they happen to line up with the objective answers... The the quiz is... (laughs) to get what the answer is that I've got written down. Correct. Yes. That's that's as far it goes. I would advise taking the multiple choice options next time. <laughs> well, sensible, James. Sensible. Okay. Uh, okay, Joe, your first legit question. This is only for one point. Can you spell coarse fishing? Yes. Okay, please do so. Uh, you gotta you gotta learn your lesson on that one. I forgot about that. C O A R S E. Do I have to add? Is, is it okay if I just go on to the next word? Just now move on to the next F-I-S-H-I-N-G. one. F-I-S-H-I-N-G. Correct. Well done. Woo! So another point for a joke. At this point, I'd like to recap the scores. I can't it's... tell you what course fishing is. Shh, no, don't worry about that. Okay. <laughs> Joe go. currently has a 2-0 lead. <laughs> okay, Jonathan. Who are linked with the breeding of mirror and leather carp? Again, there's multiple choice available. Yes, please. Can I have the multiple choice? You can. Is it milliners, monks, nuns, or priests? Monks. It is monks. There's a bonus uh, point here. Can you uh, tell me what are milliners? I have absolutely... In terms of from a fish point of view? No. Uh, No. No idea. Uh, Joe? I'm going to Hector a hardigan. Hardigan, you're the worst. I don't actually think you can get the point for this. Milliners no, make hats. They do make hats. I just needed a word to put in as one of the I'm, multiple I'm, choice. I'm putting myself on the scoreboard. <laughs> James. Two, two points for Joe, one point for Jonathan, one point for James. Excellent. Okay, Joe. Um, who presents the TV programme Extreme Fishing with Robson Green? <laughs> can I have the multiple choices, please? Oh, wow. Are you absolutely sure you it want could to be a trick question? Okay, no, that's fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so now this is going to be a one point. Yep. Who presents the TV program Extreme Fishing with Robson Green? Yep. Is it 
Davina McCall, mm-hmm. Paul McKenna, Graham Norton, or Robson Green? God, I gotta go with Robson Green. You're yes! absolutely right wow. to do so. That was a big sweat. Uh, okay. This is going to be so embarrassing when I get beat by Joe Stapleton. Do you know that? Don't worry. I'll always make sure that the last question is worth six or seven points if necessary. <laughs> okay, Jonathan. My God. I mean, I'm really hoping this question means something to you. Name the fishing complex that featured on the Fox Guide to Carp Fishing. Multiple wow. choices available. Yeah, I'll have multiple choice, please. Okay. Is it Linear Fisheries, Mid-Kent Fisheries, Marigot Fisheries or Roso Fisheries? Linear is correct wow, for a point. Right. There's a bonus on here. How many stars out of five did I happen to notice the Fox Guide to Carp Fishing received on Amazon while I was desperately researching this quiz? <laughs> <laughs> You're a four to one, four to one chance. Uh, I'm going to go with three. It wow. was three. <laughs> and we have a tied game, three points all. Oh, see, this is the exciting point. Okay, Joe. <laughs> What English coarse fish can cross land in search of a new body of water? Think about this. How amazing that a fish could get out and just head off across land to find a new bit of water. Okay, let's hear the choices. Eel, tench, haddock, salmon. Salmon. That's incorrect. And I can't offer it over. It was eel. Just picture that. You wouldn't see... Thank God, Jonathan, at least vindicates that my question was legit. (laughs) Um, Okay, this one is for you, Jonathan. Can you tell me which two Kevins invented the hair rig and the carp sack? No idea what I'm saying. Jesus, these 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 questions are really tough. Well, you said um, you were yeah, super. I'll, you said you're an expert at this. What did you expect? <laughs> I'll I'll take the multiple choice, please. Okay, so we're looking for two Kevins. Which uh, two? Kevin Turvey, Kevin Keegan, Kevin Maddox, Kevin Nash. Nash and Maddox. Correct. Wow. Just as a bonus point, can you tell me which one invented which? Um, uh, Nash probably did the keep net. And, uh, well, actually, is the, that, the is that what I did? Is the hair rig? Yes, that's absolutely correct. Yes, so an extra point on top there. All yeah. right. Okay, okay, so things have turned around now, and the superfan is leading five points to three. That's all right. Still with it. How are you doing, James? Instantly, just I the still one. have the one point. <laughs> okay. I've yet to get on the board. Not doing so well. Joe, what family does the goldfish belong to? I believe the goldfish belongs to the carp family. Oh, two points off the bat. Wow, nice. tight game again. And, Woo! and a bonus here. Totally irrelevant. Can you tell me what type of fish is Nemo from Finding Nemo? Nemo's a clownfish. Oh! Was that for one? That was for one. Right, what's the score just so I can make sure? Uh, Joe has a one-point lead. Okay, I've I've got a good feeling about this. Okay, uh, Jonathan. Which of these famous carp was the biggest? Your options. Benson, Two-Tone, The Black Mirror... Or Heather the Leather? Heather the Leather? Oh, I don't know what any of those things mean. Right, okay. Well, I can tell you that... Right, I'm going to have to work out how many points the bonus is for. Uh, Okay, (laughs) I can tell you... Actually, there's a good chance that you've lost this. Uh, I can tell you that Two-Tone was a 67-pound, 14-ounce fish. Uh, It was so sought over by the obsessed fishermen. What was it nicknamed, Jonathan? Oh my god, I have absolutely. Um, are these, I have no idea. Are these Pass. characters from fish stories? No, and these are real, real carp. These are real big oh. carp. 
I mean, imagine obsessed fishermen. Like, who's going to suffer when, when a man gets obsessed with something, Jonathan? Doctor. Excuse me? Um, maybe um, a lady? Doctor. <laughs> no, like, God, you know, like, when a guy gets obsessed with something, who always suffers, yeah? When married I'm men, sick. you know, they kind of really get their hooks into something. Their wives? Their wives, and what, what might be a nickname for... Yes, you're absolutely right, Jonathan. It was the marriage wrecker. You're absolutely wow. right, Joe. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Jonathan, God. Wrecked his um, marriage. So I believe... That I can't that... believe the way Jonathan worked that out from so few clues. I mean, I didn't help him out at I all. I believe that, that bonus was worth two points. It was which worth means two points. that Jonathan is now leading seven points to six, but Joe still has a question to go. That's right, although the only problem is this one is only worth half a point at best. Oh, man. Oh, no, it could be worth the point, actually. A full could, point? Yes. It is I, worth thank point. God, I need my question to be worth a full point. Actually, this, this is a genuine full point here. Which two of the following five are common course fishing methods? So two out of the following five. Okay. Glass bottom boat, double fish hook, stove piping, ledgering, free lining. I'll take the multiple choices, please. <laughs> they are... Free lining. Yeah. Oh, hang on, sorry. Yes. That's half a point. And stove piping. Oh. Ah, no. Uh, what's the current score? There's a bonus here. I've just got to work out how much it's worth. Okay. <laughs> so Jonathan has seven. Right. Joe now has six and a half. Right. So this one is for a half point here, Joe. <laughs> so we've established that glass bottom boat, double fish hook, and stove piping aren't common course fishing mm. methods. From which urban dictionary entry did those three come from? Stove piping, double fish hook, and glass bottom boat. <laughs> I dread to think. <laughs> I mean, they all sound like weird sex moves to me. They are from the grossest sex acts. Don't wow. look it up, everybody at home. The words are glass boat and boat. Double we have a tied game. Fish hooking was actually... I had a really cool girlfriend who was into a lot of weird stuff, and one of her, her bugaboos, her no-goes, was the double fish hook. <laughs> that's just a reach around with, with both fingers in the mouth. Yeah, not that's not that move's not cool, apparently. I, I mean, I, I, I did have to look that up. I don't know that. Thank anyway. God I took half a day's holiday at work, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, boys and girls, so we have a tiebreaker. Now, do you remember the question about which famous carp was the biggest? Perhaps you remember Benson was one of the options. Benson, she was Britain's, sorry, quote, Britain's biggest and best love common carp. <laughs> Benson's popularity was such that she was caught how many times in 13 years? Jonathan, you're the superfan. I'll let you come in first with your number. Oh, um, I'm going to take a really, really big guess and say 60. Okay. 1,200 times in 13 years. Right, okay, I can tell you that the actual answer was 63. So that's wow. congratulations. Wow, that was really close. That was really close. You, uh, yeah. You're close, but I'm, by my estimation, so, I need to get adjudication, but I'm pretty sure Jonathan was just slightly closer than James. Uh, Not I, than I, Joe. I've, I've just done the mathematics, and yes, I believe that... No, no, uh, no, don't use your head. Get a calculator out. I'm not... You really want to... Okay, let's do yeah. this, shall we? So your guess was... 1,200. So 1,200 yeah. minus 63. Mm -hmm. yeah. You were 1,137 I don't out. Know, it doesn't seem like it's that much. Okay. okay. And 63 out. 
So, so it was three. That's three. what your calculator yeah, says. Yeah, that's All what right, the calculator says. I guess I'm forced to accept that. Okay. Yeah. Hey, so is that one question about famous fish? Like, yeah. there's like a like a famous carp in a lake somewhere in England, and everyone goes to try to catch it. Yeah, that's actually a thing. Yeah. Do you think that that fish would eventually one day just starve to death? Like, would just be sick of getting caught? It'd be like, ah, fuck this. I'm just done eating. I'm not, like, wouldn't what? it learn? Well, I don't know. I mean, what thirteen? You know, sixty-three times in thirteen years. Yeah, that's pretty irritating, isn't it? Let's yeah. Be honest. Every time. Can you imagine every time you like go to have a McDonald's, you just end up in some someone's car? Exactly. Whereas <laughs> Heather the leather, if memory serves, only gets caught twice a year. So I mean, you know, she's she's fine. Just whilst we're just whilst we're still on, I just had a bit of a bone to pick with Matt in particular. <laughs> hey. Well, thanks ever so much for being with us, and uh, (laughs) we'll speak to you another time. um, I was a winner of the Bahamas in pyjamas. I was the guy in the monkey onesie. Um, I don't know whether you recall it a few months back that Joe did this idea of winning a ticket. I'm not going to lie to you, Jonathan. We generally forget competitions within an hour Wasn't he the one in the the back garden in the monkey costume? That's that's exactly it, Joe. In the the back garden at an angle. The 45 degree angle garden. Right, that's right. Well, what had happened is, is James, being the nice guy that he usually is, suggested that it was a funny camera angle, mm. but it wasn't. That's actually the that's actually the lift on my garden. <laughs> we'd, we'd only just moved in about nine months previously, and for anybody who's tried to move house with a child knows how close you can come to being divorced. Um, <laughs> Literally, the day that we finished, my wife and I sat down and listened to the podcast where you made these quips about the garden. She turned to me, looked at me and said, do you think we should do the garden? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. So, so thanks, Matt. Much appreciated. Uh, in my low maintenance astroturf garden. Now we've got a digger in the back garden, and uh, yeah, and but you cost still this married. guy thousands of pounds. Hopefully, he wins something with his uh, step C ticket. <laughs> I am so sorry, and you're welcome. No, seriously though, thanks for everything, guys. Much appreciated. All right, my babies, that is just about all the time we've got for this week's show. Next week, nothing. We're taking a week off for did James I, to go skiing. Did I mention next week I'm going skiing? Oh, you did mention I it. did wonder. Love I can't it. imagine James skiing. I mean, you'd think, like, from a sheerly physical point of view, that physics would not allow something that tall. If you're bigger than the skis. Exactly, surely. Well, <laughs> as you know, the taller you are, the longer the skis have to be. And I didn't. It's, it's so a, yours must be it, like 25 foot they, they touch are, the bottom of the mountain before he they <laughs> gets are going bloody ludicrous and because I'm a generally awkward chap yes. I'm constantly like banging them together and crossing them and you'd find it an amusing sight uh, do you know I, I bet any video of that probably you would have to think that's been sped up because <laughs> it would just be so it would just you'd think no that can't be real it's going to look really weird when he jumps out of that helicopter Anyway, most importantly, the week after that, the week after our Easter break, we're going to be talking Macau. That's right. We're going to have someone on from Macau. Maybe it'll be Steve O'Dwyer. Maybe it'll be Felipe Ramos. Maybe it'll be somebody else. We're going to do our absolute best to get someone who's done something in Macau. Also, we got a super fan that's doing. It's quizzing me on RoboCop. Yes. Something How excited I, is Matt uh, about this quiz? This you know quiz what? is going to be fucking impossible. Is there any chance we could have like 12 questions each plus a quick fire round? I could go forever with RoboCop. Come on. No, I know. Okay. I, I really am going to have I have two weeks. I'm going to have to give it a watch in between now and then. Also, something we didn't get to this week, or Streamboat related, is that Jamie Staples took a very interesting prop bet for uh, a weight loss bet yes. for Bill Perkins. And I want to get into that a little bit on the next show we do as well. Until then, that is all the time we've got for this episode of Poker in the Airs. 
For Matt Broughton and James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.